1: For the better part of the last decade, science fiction finally evolved from a niche genre into a mainstream staple. And while many people are familiar with the so-called fathers and grandfathers of genre, the women who have been instrumental in creating and shaping the nerdverse have largely gone unrecognized. Until today. I'm Courtney Enlow, and this is Sci-Fi Wire Fangirls Forgotten Women of Genre, a podcast where we tell the stories of the women who helped some of the most famous fantasy worlds become a reality. An undercover cop, played by Tim Roth, rambles his way through a story. He's practicing it alone in his apartment, Then suddenly he's in a vacant graffitied lot reciting it for his superior. Now he's telling the story to gangsters in a bar. Now suddenly he's in the very flashback story he's recounting, standing in a men's room, allegedly holding drugs, and staring down four L.A. County Sheriff's deputies. Now he's telling the story from within the flashback, tying his elaborate tale back to the very real moment in which he's telling it. walk in the men's room and who's standing there?
0: Four Los Angeles County sheriffs and a German Shepherd. They're waiting for you? No, it's just a bunch of cops hanging out in the men's room talking. When I walked through the door, they asked up what they were talking about and they looked at me. (laughs) That's hard, man.
2: That's a fucking hard situation. (laughs) German Shepherd starts barking.
1: The 1992 film Reservoir Dogs, with its non-linear storytelling and its eye for homage, took a video store employee named Quentin Tarantino and turned him into the next big thing in filmmaking. Tarantino's signature style is known for the way it plays with time, but that type of structure needs something to bring it all together, and Tarantino found it in the woman he'd later refer to as his one true collaborator. Sally Menke was born December 17, 1953. Her mother, Charlotte, was a teacher, and her father, Dr. Warren Wells Menke, was a professor of management at Clemson University. Menke grew up in Mineola, New York, with her parents and her sister Sue, before eventually heading off to New York University's Tisch School of the Arts, where she earned her Bachelor of Fine Arts degree in film in 1977. She was married in 1984 to Aldo Paraso, a film and television director whose father had been a famous cellist. Together they had two children, Lucas and Isabella. In an L.A. Times obituary, her first assistant editor, Joan Sobel, described Sally Menke as funny, smart, opinionated, and refreshing. Definitely a role model to editors and certainly to me. Menke began her editing career with documentaries for CBS and made her feature film editing debut in 1983 with Cold Feet. Crucially and relevant to our interests, she edited Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. But a job interview with a first-time director named Quentin Tarantino landed Menke the job that would define her career, as well as his.
0: My first movie, the only thing I knew is I wanted a female editor, because I just felt a female editor would be more nurturing to the movie and to me. I wouldn't try to be winning their way just to win their way, all right? They wouldn't be trying to shove their agenda or win their battles with me. They would be nurturing me through this process.
1: After years of struggling to get it made, and after planning to do it on his own as an ultra-low-budget independent film, Quentin Tarantino managed to draw interest in Reservoir Dogs from acting legend Harvey Keitel, who agreed to add his name to it as a producer to garner a higher budget. Seeking a female editor for the project led him into a meeting with Menke that would impact the course of both of their careers. Menke described her hiring in a piece for The Guardian in 2009. I met Quentin when he was interviewing for an editor, a cheap one. I got in touch, and he sent me this script for a thing called Reservoir Dogs. And I just thought it was amazing. It floored me. Scorsese was a hero of mine, especially as he used a female editor in Thelma Schoonmaker. And this script just had that tone. Later, when I found out Harvey Keitel was attached, he was the first person Quentin had approached. I was more determined to get this job than ever. I was hiking up in Canada on a remote mountain in Banff when I saw a phone box and I stopped to call L.A., and they confirmed I'd got the gig. I let out a yell that echoed around the mountain. Menke couldn't have known then that her yell was heralding the beginning of a two-decade partnership.
0: Well, Sally has been, hands down, my number one collaborator. She's worked with me on every movie I've done, from Reservoir Dogs on. But even from the first movie, I realized that she was my collaborator because I've always actually realized that I am a writer-director and the editing process and the writing process are very married to each other. They're, They're very connected. So much so that I truly feel that the final draft of the script is actually the first cut of the movie. And the final cut of the movie is the last draft of the script. This is the stuff that needs to be in there to tell your story. And uh, I don't write with anybody, I write by myself. But when it comes to the editing, I write with Sally. And it's the true epitome, I guess, of a collaboration because I don't remember what was her idea, what was my idea. We're just right there together.
1: Reservoir Dogs was a milestone of independent filmmaking, a watershed moment that helped set off the 90s indie revolution. And with Mankey, Tarantino had found the perfect editor to work with his narrative style. In that same 2009 article, Menke spoke of that consistent nature of her professional relationship with the writer-director. Quentin is the same now as he was then. He's encyclopedic, passionate, electrifying. We just clicked creatively. Editing is all about intuiting the tone of a scene, and you have to chime with the director. It's a rare, intense sort of relationship, and if it ain't broke, you wouldn't want to fix it. We've built up such trust that now he gives me the dailies, and I put them together, and there's little interference. Her ability to expertly weave his storytelling together into a seamless final film was an inspiration to others, such as Meg Redeker, who worked on What Had American Summer and several big-name HBO and Netflix television original series, who cited Menke's work on the film as what drew her into editing as a career, speaking at Edit Fest New York in 2012. You know, it was at that moment when I was an assistant editor taking part in conversation
0: where my eyes just opened up, you know, to the possibilities of editing. So I was assisting in documentary at that time and I was just really fascinated with storytelling and nonlinear storytelling and, you know, moving around one scene in another and how structure just played such an important part and how you tell a story, and so I guess and I was really fascinated by that. So when I saw Reservoir Dogs, beyond the pacing and the rhythm and the actual cutting, it was just the way in which she was able to move the scene from you know one big flashback deeper into the flashback to a flash forward,
1: you know, and all all this seeming so seamless. So it just really excited me. Following the success of Reservoir Dogs, Menke went on to work with Oliver Stone in Heaven and Earth before taking on her second collaboration with Tarantino, one that would earn her her first Academy Award nomination. Ah, ah, ah. With Pulp Fiction, Tarantino further solidified his storytelling brand and brought Menke back to edit trusting her ability to provide structure to the film's nonlinear format, just as she had with Reservoir Dogs. She found it a remarkably fun film to work on, recounting one of its most iconic scenes to The Guardian. That scene with Uma Thurman and John Travolta dancing in Jack Rabbit Slim's Diner in Pulp Fiction was unusual in that it was filmed to playback to the actual Chuck Berry song. It was easy to cut in that respect, and oh my God, it was glorious. We chatted about using the long shot, medium close-ups, and when to focus on the hands. Most editing is painstaking, but this was an exciting scene to edit because it had momentum of its own and an obvious magic. It's Travolta dancing in front of me. The pair spoke at length in the 2004 documentary, The Cutting Edge, The Magic of Movie Editing, about their process of working together, focusing on the specific moment of Mia, And Vincent's pseudo date in the film. I think editors play
2: a big role with directors in giving them support, making them feel like they can they can look at something that may have trouble or problems and be comfortable enough so that they can approach those problems. In the beginning, he really doesn't guide me, and then I put together what I think he wants. And pretty much, we've worked together so long I can judge what he would want. Is this place? This is Jack Rabbit Slims, and Elvis Man should love it. Come on, man, let's go get a steak. You can get a steak here, Daddy O. Don't be a. Oh, after you, Kitty Cat.
0: Initially, I had it like really long. It was, it was like a date in real time. All right, and it was sort of like Sally's job to kind of like you know little by little convinced me to bring it down and bring it down and bring it down and it's, it still could be funny. You would still have what I'm talking about, but maybe it wouldn't be so
2: painful. He did want it to feel very much like a date, and it was very long at first, and we just had to kind of live with it for a while. <laughs>
0: Just like, you know, letting me live with it long enough so I could eventually, okay, I've had it enough. I've seen that enough. Okay, maybe now I can lose this part. Okay, so now it's it's like here and now it's like here.
2: Finally, we'd bring it down and bring it down and then I kind of brought it too far down and then he said, we got to bring it back out.
0: That's it. No more. No more. No more. No more. This, This
2: is not a video. We do that for eight months so intense. I see him more than my husband.
0: And sometimes I, you know, get annoyed with her for not reading my mind a hundred percent. I mean, all right, you know, it's not good enough that she reads it eighty percent of the time, all right.
2: Oh! we work very intensely together and it's kind of amazing that we still like each other. If I was
1: with my husband that long, I don't think I'd like him that much. So <laughs> it was clear that the two of them, Tarantino and Mankey, had developed a film language, a storytelling relationship that Tarantino described in 2007 by saying, the best collaborations are the director-editor teams where they can finish each other's sentences. Minky also felt that she knew his voice well, describing the technique behind their collaboration as a sort of mix and match. We do study other films and other scenes, she said, but only to get the vibe we need for our scene. Our style is to mimic, not homage but it's all about recontextualizing the film language to make it fresh within the new genre. It's incredibly detailed. There's nothing laissez-faire about Quentin's approach. But I know his film voice. Always have done.
0: Look into the camera and tell my lonely editor stuck in Los Angeles that's in a room all by herself, hello, her name is Sally.
1: Hello, Sally. And welcome to a uh, happy
0: first day. And
1: happy first day.
0: Now all together, Go.
1: Hello, Sally, and
0: happy first day!
1: That was a recording of the actors on the set of Death Proof saying hello to Sally back at her editing suite in Los Angeles, working alone thousands of miles away from the production. Editors are the quiet heroes of movies, and I like it that way. We have a very private relationship with our directors, most often conducted in very dark rooms, she said. As someone who worked outside the studio system, Tarantino would typically rent private houses for the editing process, a system which suited Menke just fine as it allowed her to work on his films even during both her pregnancies. Yes, my babies had Tarantino movies played to them in the womb, she said, but they seem to have come out okay. Quietly working away in the dark in those rented homes, Menke honed an editorial eye that embraced emotion. In her obituary, Joan Sobel said, one thing Sally was supreme at is that she cut for the actor's performance, meaning that what was significant in the emotional aspect of the scene. It was an aspect that Menke recognized in her own work as well, drawing from her own inspiration, the aforementioned Thelma Shoemaker and her collaboration with Scorsese. Watching Scorsese and Shoemaker's work, I learned how to collapse time in action but still push characters through a scene. It's a trick to give the illusion that it's all real. That's become crucial to us because the Tarantino thing is to make the mundane feel very spicy. It's the illusion that time is ticking away. It's all about tension. So you follow the emotional arc of a character through a scene, even if, as in the opening of Inglorious Bastards, they're just pouring a glass of milk or stuffing their pipe. We're very proud of that scene. It might be the best thing we've ever done. Her work on Inglorious Bastards would earn her a second Academy Award nomination, but it would be one of her final projects.
0: Hollywood film editor Sally Joanne Menke has died at the age of 56.
1: As that clip from the Friday Movies YouTube channel reported, on September 27th, 2010, Menke had gone hiking in Griffith Park with her dog and a friend. Her friend had left early in the hike, feeling unwell in the heat, leaving Menke on her own. When she didn't return home, The Los Angeles Police Department spent hours searching for her before finally finding her body at the bottom of a ravine being protected by her dog. The temperature in Los Angeles was recorded as high as 113 degrees that day, and the coroner's department ruled that Mankey's death was indeed heat-related. Sally Mankey's legacy lives on in the work of the editors she inspired, like Joan Sobel and Meg Redeker. The Sundance Institute created the Sally Menke Fellowship Award in her honor to support emerging editing talents as they learned to craft a narrative. Recipients of the fellowship since 2011 have included Redeker and Julia Block, who edited the thrillers Blue Ruin and Green Room. Quentin Tarantino dedicated his next film, Django Unchained, to the memory of his longtime friend and collaborator. Her own final editing credit is on the 2010 mystery thriller Peacock, starring Cillian Murphy and Ellen Page. In a 2012 ranking by the Motion Picture Editors Guild of the 75 best edited films of all time, Pulp Fiction was ranked at 18. When Tarantino first went looking for a female editor, it was because he wanted someone who would nurture him and not try to take control over his project. What he found instead was a woman immensely skilled at her trade who believed in his vision and in the power of film as a storytelling medium. Instead of someone who might try to take over his films and Sally Menke, he found someone who simply made them better.
2: Hi, (laughs) Sunny!
1: Forgotten Women of Genre is a production of Sci-Fi Wire Fangirls. Today's episode was written by Riley Silverman, read by Courtney Emlil, and produced by Cher Martinetti. You can find the script of this episode and so much more and sci-fi Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at sci-fi fangirls.
2: Look around. You can find cars like these on auto trader, like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on auto trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time?